At the end of your life, what will be your legacy? What will you leave behind for future generations? For the world, join the world messenger, Isabella Lundberg, each week as she brings you a new distinguished guest from the business, sports, or entertainment world to share their success, their struggles, and their lessons. They will share their insights into current hot topics that affect everyone. Isabella facilitates an intimate, vulnerable environment to find the true value of humanity and real leadership. Are you ready for your legacy? The legacy that matters? What would you do if you had a chance to re-celebrate or recalibrate, as I would say, yourself? What would you do if you had a chance and opportunity to ask questions from Pioneer, who is patenting and distracting everything related to regenerative medicine? You guys are up for an amazing treat. Hey, my friends, it's Isabella Umbaker welcoming you for another epic episode of Legacy Leader Show. And I cannot wait to introduce you to phenomenal guests that I'm having here with me in the studio. Today, we're going to have a chance and opportunity exactly to re-celebrate opportunities in industry to see what is happening with regenerative medicine with Dr. Jeffrey Gross. Dr. Gross had an opportunity also to not only obviously spend decades of his work on research and looking and experiment and transform thousands of lives thus far uh, from traditional surgical methods, but also from innovative use of stem cells. Isn't that hot topic that I'm sure every one of you are eager to learn more about? So without further ado, let me introduce you to Dr. Jeffrey Gross. Welcome, Jeffrey. How are you? I'm fantastic. Thank you so much for having me. It's my honor to be here with you and your listeners. It's absolute honor for us to have you here with us, specifically as people around the world um, that are very much so focused, obviously, not only about leadership and legacy, but also, of course, longevity and ways how we can live our best lives as we're contributing some amazing advances to humanity. And it's just absolute joy to have you here with us today. So before we deep dive in, first of all, I would love to learn, how did you even get into the medicine? Well, I, you know, had probably wanted to be a doctor since I was a child. I, I just can remember the, you know, going to the doctor myself for various uh, checkups and things and knowing that was my path and going through school with that in mind and where my interests uh, were, my the classes I took all the way through high school and college. And it was a foregone conclusion very early on. That's fantastic. But now, as see, you're one of those lucky ones. When as a child, you knew what you wanted to do, you were destined to do that. And when you fulfill that dream, it feels amazingly rewarding, doesn't it? It does. It does. Thank you. How did you then transition into longevity and focusing on stem cells? Because that is a kind of a newer side of the medicine. And I'm curious, obviously, just to have not only such a huge impact already in that particular domain, I'm curious what it was, what it took to get there and, and, and where it's going. Well, chance favors the prepared mind. And, um, you know, if you stumble upon something, it might be by accident, but you, there was a lot in the recipe, maybe unknowingly get, going up into that, that helped me. So personally, I, I'm a neurosurgeon. I was treating brain and spine problems. 
I have a fellowship in spine and I was doing a lot of neck and back care, injuries, uh, you know, uh, weekend warriors, herniated discs, pinched nerves, neck pain, headaches, back pain, nerve problems, all that. And um, for many years in my practice, over 20 of them, uh, it became clear to me that there was a large missing gap where we needed a tool. And uh, that gap was in a pathway of conservative treatment, starting with uh, a new problem. You know, we treat with therapy, perhaps physiotherapy or chiropractic, maybe some light medications, anti-inflammatories, and many people improve, but some don't. And those don't, we would then send on maybe to have some pain injections in the spine, not only to help figure out exactly where the pain's coming from, but also to treat it. But those are often temporary. And then when those fail, the leftover patients who are still suffering, the only thing left on the menu was surgery. And surgery is still a very big deal and frankly hasn't changed much in decades. Yes, there are new screws and rods and new giz gizmos or incisional approaches, but what we do is either decompress the spine, meaning make more room in there, or fuse it, meaning lock it together. And, and you know, there's a lot of that being done and probably too much in my view. But there was a large gap between the non-surgical treatments and the surgery treatments because many patients who failed the non-surgery treatments but still had problems, weren't quite ready for surgery. And they would tell me, hey, doc, I know you said surgery is an option, but what about lasers or what about stem cells? And you hear stem cells enough. And instead of going to the annual brain and spine surgery meeting where you hear the same stuff over and over again, uh, I changed my mind. I said, you know what? I'm going to use my open mind and tap back into my undergraduate background in biochemistry and molecular cell biology. And I started going to stem cell conferences and doing the education hours and doing the training and, and getting certified in that area. So I could apply it to my spine patients to give them a new option because patients deserve to hear all the options, but that's blossomed. It's blossomed way beyond the spine. And that's why we're here today. This is um, fascinating. First of all, you invested so much in your education. You have phenomenal pedigree being graduated from uh, University of California from Berkeley, as you mentioned, from biochemistry and uh, just understanding molecular cell biology itself. Those are very complex studies. Uh, and then you didn't stop there. And then you kind of kept, as you progressed in learning and practically applying, also disrupting and innovating. I'm curious, what led you to that? I, I mean, you already mentioned, obviously, that you wanted offers alternative, not just for those surgical types of treatments and find a better way. And through that whole process, I feel like you've come up to something that is so absolutely mind-boggling. Do you mind sharing with the audience, how did you harness that own stem cell uh, health right now that you see that is going to be changing not only how doctors approaching the methodology and treatments today, but also in the future. Sure. If you wanted to make the most absolutely perfect chocolate cake, you would go to the best store and get the best ingredients, the best flour, the best cocoa, the best, uh, you know, what have you. And you would bring it home and mix it together to make the perfect cake. You wouldn't you wouldn't want to have a lesser quality ingredient unless you were mass producing it. So, so when I got into regenerative medicine, I took from the best practices. 
I took from the best science, from the best journals, from people who had been doing this for many years. Now, here in the United States, we're sort of the last to wrap our arms around regenerative medicine in the clinical sense. Uh, this there's wonderful, you know, uh, studies and and multi-year follow-up studies in Europe, Asia, Central America, and uh, we're, we're we are tapping into the best of all that. So when I got into this, I said, okay, what's the best practice in spine, or in joint, or in in biologics? Is it what kind of stem cells, or is it stem cells? And I put that all together to make my best chocolate cake, so that when I give someone options, I can talk to them A to Z and tell them what's the best option because patients love to hear the options. They deserve to hear the options, but they also want to know what the recommendation is. What's the best doc? I want the best, right? And we want to offer the best. So that's sort of the approach I took. I'm not looking to uh, make a, a mass production chocolate cake here. Mm, I love that analogy. And as a cake lover, I can definitely relate <laughs> <laughs> quality right over quantity but also at the same time how can we really look at as a lifespan is being increasing how can we have longevity how can we have amazing quality of life in our 50s 60s 70s 80s and frankly 90s we're seeing some unprecedented moments when we're seeing people still running the marathons and having full um, uh, opportunity to not only drive, but live independently in late 90s. And in, in, in the past, it was absolutely impossible. But now we're seeing so many things being pushed further along. And I'm sure the stem cell itself uh, have a lot to do. And I'm sure we'll see some new records being broken as a result of it. What are your take on that? I think you're absolutely right. Uh, I think that you know, the very same things we use stem cells and other regenerative medicine biologics to get help with, like joint problems or, or um, you know, uh, problems with certain organs or disease states. We also notice that what is happening at the cellular level is slowing a degenerating process, is slowing the chronic inflammatory process that degenerates cells, tissues, and organs. By doing that, you're slowing that rusting of the body, which is really slowing the process of aging. And if you do enough of it and start early enough, you can actually even reverse some of those processes and improve lab tests and improve biological age tests and improve joints structurally. And we're seeing that. And uh, the, the anti-aging is just treating the whole body with this sort of approach. And stem cell medicine is part of it. It's not the only part of it, right? You have to have proper diet and, and proper, and that could be what you eat and when you eat it, proper supplementation, because we don't really get everything we need to get through our diet, um, proper sleep, rest, and recovery, uh, proper breath, mindfulness, meditation, relaxation, um, proper exercise. And if you could do just one thing, if you could change one thing after listening to this, would be get another 2000 steps in a day, mm -hmm. uh, add another couple resistance exercises during the week. Those, those activities will promote your muscle mass and your bone density. And remember your bone is the main source, not the only, but the main source of your regenerative stem cells. So if you support your muscles by exercising, they will support your bones and the bones will support your stem cells. So the most anti-aging thing you could do immediately would be exercise more. Wow, that is 
definitely something that we need to be reminded specifically because we're seeing some very glaring statistics, don't we? And specifically when we talk about lifespan versus health span and what is the difference, but also seeing that more and more just Americans alone are being overweight and obese and dealing with so many chronic illnesses. Do you mind shedding a little bit more light on all of that? Sure. I mean, the reason why our bodies age at the pace they do is because of the the production of chronic inflammatory proteins in, in the cells and in the body. And the, those inflammatory proteins are an attempt to defend against these environmental things. And I say things, but it could be toxins. The most prolific toxin in our environment is, is called sugar. Uh, other toxins might be some of the things that are made in the food source or in the leached into the water from, you know, petrochemicals and pesticides and things like that. We also are exposed to things in our air, pollutants. We're exposed also to, um, you know, uh, electromagnetic waves. And we're just beginning to unravel how uh, that affects our cellular health. So the cell tries to fight that environment through this chronic inflammatory process. So really all these things are aging us. The modern technological advances in society over the last one to 200 years are aging us faster. And that's why, um, you know, Americans have a shorter life expanse, uh, you know, than Europeans, partly because of the diet, partly because of the reduced activity and more exposure to sugar and corn syrup and things like that. Mm, that is all scary, really, but it's also very eye-opening because um, I love how sometimes just the small incremental changes, as you mentioned earlier, extra 2,000 steps or uh, extra activity can truly create a compound result and also the mind shift so that we can really be not only more active, but to do things that can help us out to prevent that in addition, obviously, to avoid the sugars and everything else. And you, you're spot on. I'm seeing a lot of inflammation. I'm seeing a lot of also fatigue with a lot of people and brain fog and all these different symptomatic issues. But I'm also hearing from uh, some of my fellow athletes that I've been in touch with over the years when they train. It's like when we looked at the scale of the metabolic age, how metabolic age for some of them are you know, showing their level of longevity when, because when they're four or five or 10 years younger than actual age, but then also seeing with others, metabolic age advancing and progressing, um, how much that also impact metabolic age, if you don't mind? Well, you know, metabolic age has many factors and most of it is what we call epigenetic, meaning it's not the genes you're given, it's what you do with them. It's your lifestyle, your behavior, and if you're speaking to athletes, there is, you know, some athletes overwork. And the um, those of you who use a device that monitors some of the health metrics called HRV or heart rate variability uh, can put this to good to good work because you can figure out what your optimal workout is and your optimal recovery for your body's uh, best, uh, you know, ultimate cellular enjoyment. Because there are people who work out too hard. And they have more stress and strain on the cells than are necessary. And that's, you can go too far, too much of a good thing. Mm, 
That's an excellent point. So when we look at this uh, from the cell perspective or re-celebrate uh, elements, how someone can gain the treatment or diagnosis or assessment if they would like to know where they're at and, and, and get your experts uh, advice and support? I mean, this this is something that, you know, you think about it, most, most people do annual checkups or should, right? We screen for certain things to make sure you don't have them or we can catch them early. You get your blood work to make sure there's nothing that doesn't need attention, but that's just scratching the surface. So it, it would behoove you to see someone at the concierge level or have an executive physical where you, know, you get the you know much more in-depth blood markers, biological age test, which I think is uh, also referred to as a metabolic age test, uh, you know, um, you know, in order, and there are other labs too, inflammatory markers and, and, you know, various things. And you can look at this and use them as guides and you never know what you find. I have some super healthy people that are always trying to optimize a little better. And we find crazy things like they're, they're taking plenty of fish oil for my regimen, but we actually test the EHAs and the DHAs, which are the omega-3s and things from the fish oil. And they're still low whether they're metabolizing them or not internalizing them or what have you. So we give them even more. And sometimes that corrects that little extra inflammation uh, that they're dealing with. And we can see that on the me metabolic and biological age tests. So this is about, you know, not, not assuming uh, a regular physician will do all this. Uh, you, you need more than just the basics. You need someone who's going to spend the time to do all the testing and optimize your health. Let me make this an analogy to nutrition. If you read the side of a cereal box, it'll tell you how much vitamin D you got as a percentage of the RDA allotment. And most people say, oh, great, I got 100% today, I'm done. Well, that allotment number is only to prevent malnutrition. It's not the optimal health number. It's just the bare minimum. So your regular blood panel is probably a bare minimum unless you're seeing someone who is in the anti-aging specialty or is a, you know, a higher end uh, medical practitioner. So you know, uh, just like you want the best chocolate cake here, make sure you go to the right chef. Mm, and make sure you're reading all the labels, right? Because that cereal sugar also comes in place because you don't want to just look at for the good ingredients, but also ingredients that shouldn't be necessarily consumed or not maybe as large quantity. But when you look at things wherever things are today, how do you see how is this obviously shape in the future? What is some of the future trajectory that you see in terms of longevity and regenerative, uh, regenerative medicine that is uh, going to be shaping even further everything that you come up with in terms of solutions and in terms of diagnostics and treatments and uh, prevention, as well as really solving some most complex issues that people have chronic pain with, neck or back pain or complications uh, due to uh, nerve damage or other other chronic symptoms well we're learning more every day the the longevity and anti-aging scientific community is blossoming uh, there are new understandings regarding supplements and our diet and bad things we're exposed to and there's a resurgence in trying to avoid those things uh, we're learning more about not only our genes, but our epigenomes and our secretomes and all, all what's going on diagnostically and in, in what our cells are saying to us. 
-hmm. um, and we're putting that hopefully to good work here. Um, whether, whether, when it speaks to a particular or focused problem like a knee pain or a back pain, then we, we have to use the proper diagnostics and really good clinical uh, decision-making to employ regenerative biologics. And at the outset of this uh, discussion, uh, Isabella, you said, oh, tell us you know, about this new technology. It's really not new. Uh, our bodies have had this knowledge without us understanding it fully since we've been a species, right? This is tapping back into natural healing. And if I can make a quick analogy for, for those of you who have been pregnant or those who have seen or experienced a pregnant woman for most of those nine months, unless they're having issues, uh, that woman is all aglow. Her skin is wonderful, um, you know, and she barely has any aches or pains except maybe her lower back from carrying the baby. And, and typically this is because that woman is being exposed to a nine month dose of regenerative medicine. The stem cells from the baby are giving off signaling molecules called extracellular vesicles or exosomes, which travel through the placenta into the mother as if she's being uh, getting hooked up to an IV infusion of exosomes on a daily basis. So that is a little example of what regenerative medicine can do. It can be used for skin health and cellular health and organic health and joint problems. Anywhere there's inflammation or degradation or degeneration, it does the opposite. It goes from degeneration to regeneration if applied properly. That is actually exciting, specifically, obviously, as more and more people are looking for alternatives and also wanting to increase their longevity. Speaking of that, um, for the ones that are not being pregnant or are aging in their, obviously, in their 50s or 60s and, and, and wanted to really see some beautiful uh, shift, um, what guidance would you offer uh, for as, as we explore and look at things in terms of treatments and also uh, some of the things that uh, also can help as we age and become of the age? Well, uh, first and foremost, um, this is just general education advice. It's not meant to be medical advice for any individual because all in, all care should be individualized. Uh, so given that little warning, um, you know, the, the thing to do is first be optimized. I, I don't think anyone should have, you know, intravenous regenerative biologics like stem cells unless that person is the most uh, able-bodied person to receive them. And that requires, you know, avoiding toxins, not drinking too much, not smoking, things like this. Um, you know, being being healthy and optimized with diet, sleep, exercise, nutrition, and being optimized in hormones. So mm -hmm. in our a little bit older crowd where there might be changes in hormonal levels, we like to and we can, you know, restore some of those first because the cells, I want the cells ready if we're going to try something regenerative. Because if we do the regenerative and the cells are still missing an ingredient, uh, then they're not going to get as much out of it. Then and only then, uh, after they're optimized, would I recommend they see a regenerative practitioner in their area, and they're all over the world, and um, you know, see if you want to try something that can increase your energy, your cognitive activity, uh, your uh, recovery, your sleep, your, your ability to work out and, and go again the next day. Um, and, you know, many people fly in to see us here. We're in the Las Vegas, Nevada area. 
Um, they fly in when they're in town and they, they come and, and, you know, for a 45 to 60 minute IV, they leave refreshed, hopefully. And, and we see them again in a few months when they're ready to do it again. Mm, that is amazing. So you have some treatments that can be quickly absorbed and some thing tests and like diagnostics that can be done. So you can then from there understand where, where the certain deficits are and opportunities for improvement. Correct. That that is fantastic, um, but obviously with everything that is happening, um, where can listeners uh, have a chance and opportunity to explore further and and learn more? Obviously, um, about the treatments that you currently offer, and obviously making such a strides and waves in um, STEM world and 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 celebrating opportunities. <laughs> Brothers, I just love how clever that is, uh, yeah. and how it's also intriguing and great conversation. Appreciate that. Um, so we love to meet new people and have high-level conversations. I love to take on challenges and people with issues, perhaps uh, not just seeking longevity, but seeking help with problems. I love to be a second and third opinion, and and you know, you know, it, it really is neat to help find someone who's got a problem that can't be figured out and we address it. We've, we're the ones that figure it out. We love that. So we take the time to do it. Most of our people find us online um, and we're at recelebrate.com, R-E-C-E-L-L, because we're re you're celebrating the renewal of your cell. So recelebrate. And then we would usually meet like this through Zoom. We get all the records, the labs. We get you all tuned up and, and see what we can help you with. I do a lot of spine and joint work uh, with regenerative biologics, and we have some amazing before and after MRIs where we're showing, in some cases, uh, regeneration of cartilage structures to help people avoid knee replacement surgery if possible, or even in uh, many cases, spine surgery, which which I, I feel great about being a trained spine surgeon. No one knows better than how to help people avoid spine surgery than I do. Wow. And specifically how much recovery and how sensitive and delicate those types of surgeries are. And sometimes, as you said earlier, don't yield necessarily results that you desire. And that prompting you obviously to look for alternative. And for everybody watching and listening, not only Dr. Gross has phenomenal pedigree and resume, goodness, where did you work and where did you get education and all this amazing fellowship you've been part of. When you have someone like that, I'm sure so many people, as you've mentioned, not only see that uh, first, second, third opinion, but it's always good to look at what makes sense, right? What can we do by changing our regimens, routine, where we eat, where we exercise? How can we also improve? And is it always the surgery, the first or maybe last resort, right? right. 100%. Love that. So obviously you accomplish so much and I will definitely post the link where people can get hold of you and opportunity to ask the questions as well as gain that tremendous knowledge and opportunity to really see what is the best treatment for them. But with all these accomplishments, I'm really curious, what is left in your bucket list? Because I, I'm, I'm really curious to see what is there that will really be something super exciting. Well, there, there are a couple of things I'll mention. Uh, first and, and sort of closest uh, to what's going on is we, ha we have some projects. So not only am I interested in, you know, using basic regenerative biologics to address inflammation, longevity, health span, and various individual issues. We're also looking at very specific things 
that are not yet clinically available called designer exosomes, where some of them might help with giving more mitochondria to tissue, helping you lose weight. Some of them might be of the immune system to help remove cancer cells. So we're, we're working on that. I don't want to give too much away because there might be some proprietary things, but um, we are on the edge of tapping into this biological knowledge uh, and really using it uh, instead of pharmaceuticals. So this is this is exciting stuff. It's There are going to be some challenges, political, economic, and other, but uh, they're already starting some of this in Asia. So we're, we're behind the scenes and behind the times on it, rather. And, but I'm working towards it. On the, on the long end, you know, this is about helping people achieve their bucket lists. Because if you're, if you're already, at, used to be the retirement age of 65, but you're still going strong and you got many years and you wanna know your grandkids or your great grandkids, then you gotta take action in this realm because if we can help people have better quality of lives and live longer, healthier lives, then we're just adding a lot of, you know, peace and love in the world for for those good things to give to people so they can do more good things. So hopefully that amplifies in the right way. That is amazing. I cannot wait. And as you were talking about inflammation and other elements, I cannot help but think about current climate. Also, that we have such a type two diabetes and tremendous increase in type one, which also parts of inflammation and uh, and uh, stem cells and everything else. And I'm curious, is there any possibility also for treatments there for diabetics? Because I know that a lot of people are seeking alternative for that care as well. Yeah, there, there are kind of two paths. For type 1 diabetes, which is usually more genetic uh, type, a hereditary type, you know, they're looking at specific stem cells to, you know, be able to replace the islet cells to, to respond to a glucose challenge and provide insulin. For type 2, type 2 is more, you know, inflammatory degradation by being overexposed to a toxin called sugar. So this, this is usually where more, more of the regenerative biologics are used just to help those cells you know, recover, be less inflamed, those cells being the pancreatic islet cells that make insulin. So you can become more insulin sensitive again. Uh, but there are other techniques and challenges uh, that can be employed to biohack that, like peptides. The most popular peptide in the world is probably known as ozempic or semaglutide, for example. Excellent. That's a great to hear as well. And with that in mind, for everybody watching and listening, if you can give one piece of advice that are dealing with any of these variations of issues that we mentioned during our conversation, what would be one piece of advice uh, for them to take things seriously and take those first steps? Well, don't, don't uh, take the status quo as adequate. So if you're, if, if you go to your doctor and they say, okay, you're, you know, your cholesterol's up, we're going to give you a statin medication, for example. Um, you should say, what are the other options? And, um, and, the, and if they give you, oh, you could, you know, try to control this with diet, but I don't think that's enough. You can say, are there any stem cell or regenerative options or cutting edge options. And if they say, no, that's not proven or something like that, you can ask, well, do you know anyone that could give me a second opinion on that? Because there are options to, that are worthy of trying before lifelong pharmaceuticals 
and don't get me wrong, there's a role for pharmaceuticals. Some people may absolutely require them, but not, not to the number that are getting them today. There are other more natural biological options. So don't, don't take simple answers to shoo you out the door at the doctor's office as adequate. Thank you for listening to Legacy Leader Show. If you enjoyed the content and had a positive experience, then please leave us a positive rating. In addition, leave us positive review whenever you are listening on whatever platform there might be. Make sure your friends and family also know about the benefit and value that we provide and what we have to offer. Cheers.